Welcome to episode 265 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to start talking about some of my all-time favorite Christophanies. Let's see Jesus in the Old Testament. Let's dive in. One of my favorite studies to do in the Bible is to read through the Old Testament and just see where Jesus is revealed. Now, I know his name does not appear in the Old Testament. However, the reality of all that God is doing in the Old Testament is focused on Jesus Christ. And I've talked about that before on this podcast. In fact, in my current Daily Thunder series that I'm doing with Ellerslie, I'm walking through what I'm calling the storyline of scripture. I'm walking through a big picture of all of scripture in seven episodes, kind of giving a overarching picture, but emphasizing the fact that everything that God is saying in scripture leads us to Jesus and his redemptive work upon the cross. It's an incredibly exciting series and study for my own personal life. I love just seeing the big picture of all that God is doing in his word. In fact, I will link it in the description, but if you'd like to join me in that series, I'd love for you to be listening along with me as we're walking through these seven sessions in this series that I'm calling the Storyline of Scripture. Well, in partnership with that, I thought it'd be really fun that in each of these seven sections of Scripture that I'll be looking at in the Daily Thunder series, that I would pick one of my favorite Christophanies and expound upon it here in the Deeper Christian podcast. Now, the word Christophany, if you've never heard us use that before, we, the way that we typically use it, it's used in a variety of ways. A lot of times it's this idea of understanding Christ in his, his birth, death, resurrection, ascension, and his whole purpose throughout all of scripture. But one of the ways that we like to use the term is this idea of how we see Jesus all throughout scripture, that God has a purpose and a plan and it is Jesus Christ. In fact, I love the passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11, that says that God has an eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that God has a singular purpose that is eternal? That the purpose didn't start at creation. It didn't start at the fall of humanity. God has always had a purpose and a plan, and that purpose, that plan, that focus has always been Jesus Christ. That is so amazing. Jesus, the centrality of Christ is the primary of what God is declaring to the world. Well, I flesh out that a little bit more in the Daily Thunder series. And one of the things I began to look at in this first episode of Daily Thunder in the storyline of scripture is this idea of the kingdom introduced and rejected. We were looking at creation and I mentioned these two verses. And I just wanted to recap this because it's really important for us to understand that when Jesus, when I'm talking about seeing Jesus in the Old Testament, it's important to realize that yes, though he was born 2000 years ago in Mary and he was incarnate, God became flesh, but Jesus has always and forever been that he is the first and the last. He's the alpha and the omega. And when we read the Old Testament, it's important for us to recognize that when we see the word God, it's not just the Father, it's the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, who is acting and moving and operating and functioning in and throughout the world. 
So as you're reading scripture, specifically the Old Testament, recognize that we're speaking about the triune God who is moving. That includes the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus has always and forever been. He is God himself. He's eternal. And I love what Paul says about Jesus creating all things in Genesis. Paul in Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the creator. In fact, John 1, John clearly enunciates this idea that Jesus was there with God. In fact, he is God at the very beginning. He says in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Jesus is the creator of all things. In other words, when you come into Genesis 1 and God says, let there be light, do you realize that those words came across the lips of Jesus Christ, that he spoke all things into existence? Again, we're speaking the triune God, but Jesus, Paul says, Jesus is the one who is speaking forth creation into existence. John says all things were created through Jesus. And that is so phenomenal to me. Well, again, I want to look at in each of these sections throughout scripture and the storyline, I want to give one of my favorite Christophanies or one of my favorite ways that that section points to Jesus Christ. Now, if you listen to the Daily Thunder episode, I mentioned a variety of ways that we see Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And one of the ways we see Christ is just in the stories themselves. That they're like these foreshadows or like these big fingers pointing to the grand reality of Jesus and his redemptive purpose at the cross. So I want to discuss and give you one of these maybe aha things that I just, I love looking at the creation story. Now we know that when you look at the days of creation, God creates everything in six days. On day one, which is Sunday, God speaks light into existence and calls it good. On day two, which is a Monday, he separates the firmaments. <laughs> he separates the skies from the water. And it's interesting that when you look at Monday in Genesis 1, 6 through 8, there actually is no blessing pronounced on that day, which I've joked before that I think it makes sense. It's a Monday. <laughs> there is no blessing for a Monday. The third day is a Tuesday, and in Genesis 1, 9 through 13, God creates the land, the grass, the herbs, the trees, and it's actually a day of double blessing. God blesses that day twice. He calls it good. And I love this idea that in the Jewish mindset, because Tuesdays, the third day of the week, was a day of double blessing, that's often when Jewish weddings happen. In fact, you even see that in John chapter 2, where Jesus goes into the goes into Cana of Galilee and it says that on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee in John 2 verse 1. Well, why is there a wedding happening on the third day? Well, it's because it's the day of double blessing. 
So if you're going to get married, of course, you'd want to be on the day that God has pronounced blessing twice. On the fourth day, which is Wednesday, God creates the sun, moon, and the stars. This is in Genesis 1, 14 through 19. And God specifies very clearly that the reason he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, he says, is that they shall separate day from the night. They shall serve as signs and for the seasons and for days and for years, and they shall serve as lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. In other words, it was more than just giving light. God is instigating something with the sun, the moon, and the stars, that there, there is signs and seasons. There, there, there is pictures to declare something and separate the days, the months, the years, and the seasons. It's just fascinating to hold on to that when you look at the totality of scripture and this idea of God using the lights in the heavens. On the fifth day, which is a Thursday, God creates the fish, the sea creatures, and all the birds. On the sixth day, which is Friday, God creates the cattle and the creeping things, all the beasts of the earth, and he creates humanity. And of course, on the seventh day, God rests, which is Saturday, which is Shabbat in, in Hebrew. You likely already know this, but it's a beautiful parallel when you look at the first three days of creation and the second three days of creation. In other words, on day one, God creates light. And on day four, the parallel of that, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's the things that hold the light. On day two, God separates the firmaments, the skies and the water. And on day five, the parallel of that, God fills up the skies and the water with all the fish, the sea creatures, and the birds. On the third day, God creates the land, the grass, the herbs, the trees. And again, on the sixth day, the parallel of that, God creates the things that fill up the earth, the cattle, the creeping things, the beasts of the earth, and humanity. It's a beautiful parallel if, if you look at the two of those. And of course, it all climaxes on day seven on Saturday, which is the day of rest. And God says that in six days, he made all of creation and therefore rested and therefore gave us the blessing of rest as well. And I love this idea that when you look at Adam, here's Adam. He was created on day six. When you realize that his first full day in this new creation and this new kingdom, it was actually a day of rest that he didn't just start off by working. He started off with rest. And it's an incredible picture of the life of a Christian that we don't start by work, 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 work. Oh, finally, I deserve some rest. I earned my rest. Rather, Jesus is our rest. And we literally work from that position of rest. In fact, you even see that every single day of creation where there, the day starts at evening and then morning the first day, evening, morning, the second day. Isn't it profound that in the Jewish mindset, the new day starts at evening? In other words, we in, in typical Western culture at midnight, we start our new day from midnight to midnight, which is intriguing because we're going from darkness unto darkness, which is a great description of our culture. We are constantly moving from dark into dark. And yet the Jewish mindset was from dark until light. It started in the evening with the going down of the sun, but then it moved and ended with the light. In fact, you even see this idea of the rest being portrayed every single day. In other words, just as Adam's first full day of creation was a day of rest, day seven, so too you see that pattern every single day of the week. In other words, 
we in Western culture have the idea that, okay, I get up, I work all day, and whoo, I finally come to my evening, and I finally deserve some rest. But in the mind of a Jew, I actually start the day with rest in the evening, and I work out of that rest. So I start my day in the evening, I rest, I wake up in the morning, and then I go to work and I labor out of the rest. And isn't that a beautiful picture of what our lives as Christians are supposed to look like? That not only are we supposed to be moving from dark unto light, but that we are operating not out of a obligation or duty where I'm working and I deserve rest. Rather, God has given us the blessing of rest. And because I am rested, therefore, I am now energized to work and walk into the reality of the blessing of labor. Such a cool idea to me. I love that thought. Let me give you two other little pictures really quick that I just love when it comes to the creation account. One is this idea that you see a hint or a finger pointing to the fullness of the gospel. In other words, in the seven days of creation, you see this idea that God speaks into the midst of darkness and the first thing that God creates is light. And he says, let there be light and he separated the light from the darkness. And it's a beautiful reality that the same thing happens in each of our souls when we come to Christ. Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were walking in darkness in the futility of our mindset, just like the Gentiles. And what did God do? Jesus, who is the light itself, is literally spoken and brought into our life and light is separated from the dark. Our lives are no longer supposed to be associated with darkness and depravity and sin. Rather, we are to be walking in the light. And so in the first day of creation, you see this just as creation started with darkness and light coming into the middle of it. So too, my salvific creation, what Paul would say is the new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17, God speaks forth light, Jesus, into my light and everything radically changes. And what you even see from that point forward is that there is a greater sanctification and a movement of God upon my life until I reach ultimate rest, which is eternity. But you also see this in the daily pattern. It's interesting to me that every day starts with evening and morning. And it says evening and morning the first day, evening and morning the second day, evening and morning the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. But when you look at the day of rest on the last day of creation, on Saturday, evening and morning is not mentioned. Now, obviously, in, in a literal sense, there had to have been an evening and a morning. But why would scripture purposely leave it out? Why would God, as he's reiterating this to Moses to write down in the book of Genesis, why does the Holy Spirit say to, to tell, tell Moses, uh, leave that one out? <laughs> like it's purposely omitted. And you have to wrestle with these kind of things saying, okay, why? Because everything in scripture is purposeful. And again, the reason everything is purposeful is because it is to point to Jesus Christ. When you look at this idea of evening and morning, it is so profound to me. The word evening in Hebrew is Erev, and it has this idea of obscurity or mixture. It's kind of the idea of entropy. Now, I'm not a big science person, but maybe that little illustration might help all of us. Uh, when I was a young kid, my mother would walk into my room and say, Nathan, clean your room. And so, of course, I would spend hours and I would clean it all up and my mother would come in and check it. Of course, she would look under the bed and open the closet and things would fall out. And 
she would say, Nathan, do it right. So I'd spend some more time and I'd finally get my room perfect. Oh, my room was gorgeous. But as you know, things start to happen. And over the course of a couple of days, things start to pile up. And about a week goes by. My mother walks in and goes, Nathan, what happened? And of course, I would calmly look at her and just shrug my shoulders and say, entropy. (laughs) All right. Truth be told, I never actually said that. But that's what I would have said had I known what entropy meant. See, the idea of entropy is things progressively are becoming more disordered. Things are getting more chaotic. And when you look at this idea of evening, that's actually what you begin to see. That as evening approaches, things are getting darker. Things are getting obscured. Things are starting to mix together. This darkness and you can't see and you stub your toe and there's all this noise and cacophony and randomness and and things are becoming more and more, well, they're falling into entropy. And yet... The opposite of that, mourning, it's the Hebrew word boker. And basically, we take all of that idea of evening and flip it on its head. That's this idea of boker. It's things becoming discernible or distinguishable. I'm able to see it's becoming visible. Things are coming into order. It's a decreasing of entropy. So again, I want you to see this picture of the gospel in the seven-day creation account. Here is God who's looking into the darkness and the chaos and speaks forth light. And it says evening and morning the first day. Do you realize that God spoke into the darkness and the chaos, into the cacophony of entropy and darkness and obscurity and radically overwhelmingly brought forth light? But was creation finished? No, there was actually still entropy that needed to be dealt with. So on the second day, God speaks into that entropy and brings about a greater level of boker. He brings about greater order. He brings about greater visibility and things are more discernible. But by the third day, things are not perfect yet. There's still work to be done. So God speaks into that level of entropy and brings it up to another level of boker. And then on the fourth day, he speaks in that entropy and brings it up even higher and then speaks into that and brings it up even higher. By the time you get to the end of the sixth day, do you realize that God has literally removed the entropy and now there's only perfection. Creation is as it should be. God has finished creation, therefore he rests. And that is an incredible picture of our life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That here is my life full of darkness and sin. So what does God do? He speaks forth light, Jesus into my life and radically saves my life. So much so that Paul says that the old is gone and the new has come. In fact, you are going to have to be called a brand new creation. But is my life finished? Is my life perfected? Well, no, I I still have a lot of work that God needs to do on my life. There's all these habits and problems and, and issues of my heart that God is needing to sanctify. So what does he do? He brings me through this process of sanctification where he's ever speaking into the darkness of my life, the entropy of my soul, and brings about a greater and greater level of boker, of light, of order, of perfection. In fact, as Paul says in Romans 8, 29, that he is using all things in my life to conform me to the image of Christ, that he's bringing about his purpose and his plan so that all the world might see him in and through my life which is even the purpose of why God created humanity, that they were the image bearers, that they were the picture of God to the world. Do you see that even in the creation account, 
God has taken the reality of the gospel and has just hit it right there in plain sight. That my life, like creation, needs light spoken into the middle of it. And yet I need this constant work of sanctification. But there is coming a day, praise the Lord, (laughs) that in the eternity, when I die or when Christ returns, and may he return soon, (laughs) but whether whichever comes first, do you realize that the sin and the bondage of this world is going to pass away and there's going to be a perfection of our soul where sin is not going to cling to us anymore. There won't be any more entropy. There won't be any more darkness clinging to our life. That those attitudes, those heart motives, that those, those things that God is constantly working out of us to conform us to the image of Christ, God is removing those so that I could be conformed to his image, the image that he originally created humanity to be in Genesis chapter one. That is amazing. And what an incredible picture of the gospel smack dab in the middle of the creation account. I love the fact that everything in scripture is purposeful. God is not wasting a single sentence. God is using everything to portray the grand reality of Jesus Christ and his redemptive purpose at the cross. Now, if you want to take this even deeper, I would encourage you to go listen to the Daily Thunder series that I'm walking through currently called The Storyline of Scripture. And you can see a link for that page down in the description of these show notes. And I would encourage you as, as we're walking through each of these big sections of Scripture that you're, you're listening to this storyline, the big picture of how to see Jesus in all of Scripture, and then jumping on this podcast to listen to one of my favorite Christophanies from that part of Scripture. Now, I I wish we had time to dive into the dozens and dozens of pictures of Jesus seen all throughout scripture, but I just thought it'd be fun over these seven episodes just to give a glimpse of the grand reality of Jesus Christ in all of scripture. So I hope you will join me. I am so excited as we ponder the grand reality of Jesus Christ in our lives and in all of scripture. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of the verses and information that I talked about, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 265 for episode 265. And until next time, when we continue this idea, the series on the Christophanies, these glimpses of Jesus throughout all of scripture, know I'm standing with you, I'm praying for you, and I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.